Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty well, Ben. How are you? I am also doing well and we have a special guest on today. Um, joining us for the first time on this podcast is Spencer Perlman of the Stepian. So Spencer, how's it going? It's going well. It's an honor to be here. Thank you guys for having me. No, Thanks for coming on. It's yeah, our it's pleasure an honor to like- have you on. Yeah, you're like one of the last titans of draft Twitter that we need on here. Um, So it's good to finally get you. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Um, so we're going to talk about the lottery that happened this week. Uh, of course, in Minnesota, I guess ostensibly the big winners with the number one overall pick. Then Golden State uh, fell, I guess, fell to two. Charlotte jumped up to three, and Chicago to four. Um, right, let's start with Minnesota at the top. <laughs> they're they're in an interesting spot. I guess just like to start it off, Spencer, would you be looking anywhere other than LaMelo with this pick or would you just take LaMelo? Uh, can I say trade? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think that, that that's kind of the case for everyone in this draft, but someone has yeah. to be willing to trade for it. <laughs> I mean, I think the Knicks would be. Um, but Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I guess it would have to be LaMelo. I mean, I – Ant and – D'Angelo, it's not something I, you know, want to build around. Yeah, um, I know Max tweeted about the, the not having that defensive rating with the Towns and D'Angelo and adding Ant to that trio. That mix would be a little rough on that end. So yeah, I mean they they played sixty one possessions together this year, and uh, D'Angelo and and Cat, but it was a one forty three defensive rating, like it was like incomprehensibly bad and. I, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, uh, some people think that Anthony Edwards is a good defensive player because of, I don't know, looking at him, I guess. The but second half of the Michigan State game. He's a really hard yeah. defensive player. He's, like, really, really terrible. Um, I think in time he could be good on the ball. 
uh, in the short term, it's going to be a disaster. And I mean, that's kind of the problem with this Minnesota team, right? You, you got to think short term because uh, yeah, cat is, is still early in that contract, but you can't take that long. You can't take three or four years to become good. You, you know, you kind of have to figure that out. And that's like getting the number one overall pick this year. You know, I, it's always good to have a higher pick, I suppose, but man, this year, I would, I mean, I think Denny's the, probably the only fit that makes sense. Um, but you, you can't take him at one. I don't really think they would. Um, I don't think they really have, you know, the balls to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think someone like, well, I, I mean, similar, like, uh, like I would like to see someone like a Coro there, but again, like yeah. not so like, redundant with Culver though there. Yeah. yeah re- one, yeah. Run like re- redundant with Culver who, needs to see improvement himself you know, in, in, in a second season and just not someone you can tenably take at number one. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably just take LaMelo. Um, I mean, Killian Hayes is, would be someone I consider heavily though. That's not going to be, you know, something they consider in, re- in real life. So I think LaMelo would just be my pick. Um, just cause I mean, me personally, I wouldn't be as invested in D'Angelo Russell long-term as the wolves likely are. Yeah, uh, I mean, but that's so, the I mean, problem. They they are invested. They are, yeah. They're massively yeah. invested in him. Like the, I, that's why I I think it's going to be Ant. Uh, I don't know, of course. Um, and, and it, it seems like no one knows. Like you, you have all you know, Intel people are all saying different things. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone knows. Uh, I, my my guess would be that it's Ant because, uh, like for all for all the you know, he, we've talked about the fact that he's very much a prototypical high pick. Uh, that I think he's an easy choice. I think traditionally in a positional sense, it makes sense. Uh, I, I think that that's an easy thing to do. And I don't think it's going to go particularly well. Yeah, I'd I agree. just feel bad. I'd feel bad for Flip Saunders, uh, Ryan Saunders, feel bad for him because he'd have to coach them. And then I'd feel bad for Culver also. Just like imagining Culver being on the court and just you know, like seeing Ant check into the game and it'd be like, I'm already covering the cat and Russell. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. talk about a defensive burden. Like that yeah. team, that team desperately needs, like, especially wing defenders. I mean, guard defenders too. They, they don't really have any of those. I yeah, mean, I mean, but or, or big defenders like Culver would have no a defenders <laughs> besides Culver. Culver and, would have a ton to cover for on defense, but also just offensively with his shooting and then I mean his playmaking and slashing ability he's a guy that that I, they tried to get the ball into his hands and I think it does make sense to try to get the ball into his hands uh to some extent and we like Ant a lot as an off-ball player but you're still talking about introducing another guy uh, into Minnesota now who's going to play with the ball in his hands a lot um it's just tough I like I would obviously like like you said Spencer I'd be trying really hard to trade back but I just, yeah, maybe maybe New York is willing to trade up. Maybe New York, you know, gives you what <laughs> if no trade? Uh, <laughs> maybe one, of, maybe one of the Dallas picks. I don't know. Uh, but would you guys prefer RJ Barrett to to like Lamelo or someone for for the Wolves? I mean, just just hypothetical. No. Probably no. not, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, there it, it would be tough for them to put together that enticing of a package. Um, but yeah, it's pretty clear that trade down is the best option for them, though. Like we've been saying, somebody has to want to trade up in order for the Wolves to, you know, find a trade down. So it's going to be fascinating to see what they end up actually doing with it, though. One thing I do want to address, um, because like you said, I I did tweet that thing about adding Ant to that defense. Um, 
I feel like for them, it's if they stay there, it's definitely between Ant and Lamelo. Like they're they're thankfully not going to take Wiseman. Um, <laughs> but twin towers. Do, do you guys think that like in the short term, like Lamelo is probably, I feel like, likely to be less of a defensive disaster than Ant. Yeah, I think so too. I uh, I mean, I just have more trust in Lamelo's ability to like continue to pick up defensive principles and improve given you know just his stellar iq and you know just the development curve on which he's improved on defense from basically not playing defense to you know being pretty bad in the australian league but still you know being you know kind of like 18 year old point guards especially once this frame are generally bad at defense um not always as bad as he was but i think there's definitely more room to improve i think he'll probably better than ant right away um but i i don't think it's it's still going to be problematic with d'angelo of course I mean, as a defensive bearing. Yeah, I mean, the way I kind of see it, Ant's definitely just better on ball just because, like, you know, he's got the athletic tools. He's obviously got the 6'5", 6'10", whatever, wingspan. He's built like a truck. Um, but as all three of us know, and I'm sure most of your listeners or all of them know, team defense is the most important thing. And I trust Lamelo's team defense simply because he's had, like, Sure, he, he wouldn't finish out plays with a contest. Um, you know, he'd swipe down at the ball in the paint instead of actually trying to, you know, alter the shot. Um, he did a good job keeping the show. Like, you know, he'd rotate from guy to guy. Um, and then, again, he'd rotate into the paint. So, you know, if, if the team defense is going to be as bad as it likely will be, you probably want somebody who's going to help cover for that. And Ant simply can't. Or he yeah, Lamelo has fewer catastrophic breakdowns than Edwards for sure. I mean, he's like like Spencer said. I totally agree with that. Just certainly a more sound off-ball defender. Um, but again, that, that that does leave you really vulnerable at the point of attack, especially to, you know good pick and roll, good pick and roll teams where I mean they're not going to have a chance anyway to you know defend with with catters that are drop big or whatever, and D'Angelo or Lamelo in the high screen. But that's like a problem you have to figure out down the road if you're going to take Lamelo number one and try to invest in that as a pairing. Uh, I'm not really sure how you build around those two, but I mean, by trading one of them, <laughs> trade Russell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, like we said, the wolves are invested in the Angela Russell yeah. long-term and um, yeah, that, but I definitely think trading him would be the, would be the move and just getting LaMelo, but that's not yeah. going to happen. So from one tough spot to another uh, golden state at number two, I think that they're probably pretty unhappy to wind up behind a team that seems fairly likely to take Anthony Edwards, or at least seems more likely than than some others, because I I, I think that Ant makes a lot of sense there. Um, obviously, he has his foibles as an off-ball player, and that that will cost them opportunities when you know he's like curling uh, like into the lane and feels the need to dribble twelve times. Uh, instead of just like taking a jumper um, or like, you know, he needs to put the ball on the ground instead of m- making a pretty like easy read to, to you know, a, a screener diving or something like that. You know, th- those are obviously problems, but but I do think that Ant makes a lot of sense there. And now he might not be an option for them. Uh, so, I mean, Spencer, what, what direction would you go uh, if Ant is, ends up off the board at one? <laughs> the same thing I said was, with uh, Minnesota, try to trade down. But, <laughs> like, if you can't, um, I mean, like, I think LaMelo in that offense would be a lot of fun to watch. I don't really think they would do it. Um, 
I, again, you know, I've said this on other podcasts, um, and you guys know just from talking, you know, like, you know, the Warriors, I know for a fact, they like Denny, but will they take Denny at two? I mean, honestly, if Ant's off the board and if they're not going to take LaMelo, you could probably trade down to three, um, maybe, I mean, probably not four, because I think, rather, I know the Bulls also like Denny, but um, I would really just kind of keep my eye on Denny as being the guy just because he's another guy who, you know, played the combo 3-4. He um, could pass. He could play Steph and Clay off ball, add another passer, add another really high IQ defender. Um, but it's such a tough position. You know, a lot of knocks have Wisen going there. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I worry yeah. about them going with Wiseman a lot. Uh, yeah, I do, that yeah. would not be. I mean, quickly on Ant, I'll say, I, I mean, there's probably no better spot to teach him how to play off the ball well than, than Golden State, to be fair. Um, I, I, I think if he did end up there, you could see him really becoming an off-ball weapon with, you know, how capable he is already. But, you know, at Golden State's, you know, we, we've seen them, you know, with their off-ball motion. I think we could definitely see him, you know, iron out the the kinks in his off-ball game that, that Max briefly talked about. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a really difficult spot for Golden State. Um, Lamelo, um, though, it, it's probably not the best spot for Lamelo's development because Lamelo uh, likely is going to need an environment where he can you know run high pick and rolls often and you know make mistakes and 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 play through play through the craft so, so to speak. Um, and that's not going to be Golden State uh, because Golden State is going to be trying to win next year, most likely assuming that they have good health. And Lamelo. While Lamelo is an, an excellent prospect, he's my number one guy for a reason. He's probably not going to contribute to winning that much in his first year. Um, I, I mean, he could definitely be useful, you know, as like an off the bench spark. Because as we talked about before, like the Warriors just need like capable NBA players, like guys who can do things on an NBA floor and guys who can create. And Lamelo would certainly you know help you in that avenue. You know, he'd be able to add playmaking value from day one. Um, you know, probably you know you know the shooting is a question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, assuming it's not Ant, I'd probably go with Lamelo. But it's again a tough situation. Um, assuming they can't find. What do you guys think about? What do you guys think about a Kongwu? Like, I mean, he, I think we'd all agree he's a great fit there. But do you think they would take him at two? No, no. And I, I think I they think, take Wiseman before they took a Kongwu. Yeah, and I, I think that with either of those guys, I think it's a, it's not a good usage of assets. So we talked about oh, this. Right. Uh, with with our mock, because I think Jackson, yeah, I want to say took a Kongwu for the Warriors at like four or five. five, yeah, um, yeah, and so we talked about it on the actual mock, and then we talked about it on the recaps with Zach Milner that if you're drafting a big to fill a small role on a very good team, I don't think that that's a good usage of assets with a, a top five pick because that's a guy that you really can just go out and get for the minimum. Or, or maybe not, you know, maybe yeah. it's a one, you know, some some small exception, you know, it will get you Nerlens Noel or something like that. Yeah. Whereas a shot creator of Anthony Edwards's caliber coming off the bench and a guy who can also play off the ball then with better players, I don't think that that's really a guy you can just go get. So I don't love a Kongwu from an asset management standpoint if the expectation is he'll fill a small role on a good team, which is. Yeah kind of all I think he's capable of in the very short term. I just worry about him a little bit against bigger centers um, until he develops a little more upper body strength. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't love it for the very short term, but if they, if they think a Kongwu is like the best prospect and, and are thinking maybe a, a two or three year contention window, as opposed to right away, I think it does make some sense yeah. because I mean, Spencer, we've talked about this, that just the extraordinary value 
of uh, coverage versatile big men. And that Akongwu really is like the one in this class who can, he can do everything. He can drop, he can play above or at the level of the screen. He can switch. Like that's, that's so, so valuable when you're playing against great teams who are going to throw different looks at you. Um, so I, I think there's a case for it, but, but it depends sort of what timeline you're yeah. thinking with them. If you're a believer in the upside of a Kongwu, I think it makes a lot of sense to me. Cause I mean, like Matt, like a Kongwu, while yes, you know, getting a guy who's just a short-term big man contributor, isn't the greatest use of assets. The Warriors do really need a guy who, who can contribute there. And if they believe that he has, you know, long-term upside beyond just to replace a little big, someone who can really be, you know, a cornerstone piece, um, it makes sense as, you know, a Kongwu can contribute um, in the short term, which is something that most guys at the top of this, most other guys, you know, in the top of this draft probably won't be able to do. And if you believe he has that long-term upside, then he's still, you know, more valuable than, you know, a, a more valuable use of a top three pick than someone who doesn't. But, you know, whether or not he has that upside, um, I'm not super sold on, you know, the, the ultimate ceiling with him, which is why like, I'm mostly with Max here. Um and I think it'd be better pick than Wiseman, uh, but you know, I I think Wiseman seems likely to be that the pick I there. Just don't get the appeal. Like I know that they they seem to have this fascination with big men with all the assets that they've spent on them over the years. I just don't understand what the appeal of him there is. Like he's not a short role playmaker. Like he's not you know going to handle a, in DHOs and stuff like that. Like I just don't really understand what the thought process is with him there, and I. Like I, I understand the appeal of Wiseman to some teams, but I don't really think it's to a team that's like not pick and roll heavy that asks what they do out of their big men's from a big men from a from a creation standpoint. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it would give them a different dimension. So like I mean we saw we saw Kirk, you know, he added a shit ton more pick and pick and rolls last year with D'Angelo Russell. Um just because, you know, D'Angelo Russell is a pure pick and roll point guard. So if you have a pure pick and roll big, there's a way. And like, you know, he's a good screen center, despite what everyone says about, you know, his terrible shot selection, which is valid. And, you know, obviously the defensive concerns, um, if you get him and drop coverage, which is the only thing he can pretty much play. And if you have the point of attack defender, just getting over the screen and, you know, guys like clay, he'll do that. Um, Wiggins probably not, although he can, I guess if, if you squint your eyes a little bit, um, Steph, you know, he'll probably get held up a little bit, but he'll try to recover too. Um, but I think, I guess, you know, the main value would just be him purely crashing the glass on offense and him being that guy who can dive the paint and now the defense is stuck between a lob or an open three for clay or whoever's going to be in the strong side corner. I don't agree with it though. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely a fair, you know, devil's advocate point. Um, he does, you know, the Warriors, it, it, you know, it's fair to remember that the Warriors of 2020 are not the Warriors of, of 2016 anymore, unfortunately. I mean, they're, they're not going to be that same team, you know, even even with good health, these guys, their, their players are aging, they have a different roster, they're going to have to, uh, you know, change things up. And Wiseman definitely, you know, theoretically gives you that, you know, that a kind of a, a big, an archetype of big men that they haven't really had over this, you know, run where they've kind of popularized small small ball you can one can say you know as you know made that a craze in the nba and you know going big would be different for them but again i mean well i mean even more extreme than a kongwu you know wiseman probably less ready to contribute in high leverage in in a high leverage way in the short term uh and probably lacks the upside uh as well so it it would be questionable but i think it's 
probably the most likely if I had to guess. But again, it's so hard to know. And Yeah, and, and while we're saying trade back or out for all of these teams, I do think they're the one team this high that really might do it because just because of where they're at uh contention wise that they really might trade out and i think that would be a good idea to like get creative with that iguodala trade exception uh i don't i don't think that you want to sacrifice the value that it takes to get off of wiggins to also add someone good with this pick so i think if you do something involving that iguodala trade exception make use of this pick to get uh someone who's just going to be better in the short term than any of the guys that they could get at this pick I think that makes a lot of sense for them. I think it's something that could actually happen because, you know, it, it's one thing to say that for a team like the Wolves that, yeah, has aspirations to compete in the short term, but, like, they are, they're just not very good. Uh, whereas the Warriors, when fully healthy, like, they're a good team. Um, so I think I think we could actually see it with them. Just one yeah. thing really quickly. Um, one of my friends posed a question. Um, would, would you do, if you were the GM of the Warriors, would you do two and Wiggins for... Um, 15 and Aaron Gordon um, as like, you know, the baseline trade, maybe a small piece here and there. Probably and not. Actually, with the idea know. that you would take Poku at 15. If I could get Poku at 15, then probably. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't love, I know. Well, we'll I will talk about Poku. I'm sure a lot at some point on, on this podcast, because Spencer is uh, leading, leading the charge for Poku. Um, I don't love Poku in the short term by any means. Uh, I would consider that though, just because I I do like Aaron Gordon there. Um, yeah, I mean he's certainly like, better than Wiggins. For me. And like like two to like if you're telling me at 15 I could get like Tyrese Maxey. So you're 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 bringing in Aaron Gordon and Tyrese Maxey and getting off of Wiggins as opposed to taking Lamelo two or Wiseman two. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, so I kind of like that idea. I yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, I think trading down like into that like 10 to 15 range makes so much sense for these guys at the top, just with the way the board looks like it's gonna fall. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how far Killian Hayes falls, but he's gonna fall further than he should. Uh, Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony, uh, Kyra Lewis are all gonna fall. Yeah, I mean that's that's like an enviable you know spot for a lot of these teams. Once so, yeah, I mean. That I yeah I think I would do that I'd take Aaron Gordon and fifteen if, also if I was the Warriors. All right, Charlotte at three, very different. Um, Golden State. Yeah, so I if I were that I would just be hoping for Lamelo. Lamelo, yeah, this um, is the spot that I would want Lamelo. I mean, Devontae Graham is you know he was really impressive in his second year, but I think it's pretty clear that he's not like. Uh, a primary engine type you know more more of a spark plug type given you know he's you know because if the three isn't falling for him he can't do anything inside the arc or, or defensively or not exceptional playmaking and but Lamelo could you know is that one guy with a real chance of being you know a, a primary offensive engine and that's that's what Charlotte needs um so yeah I mean Lamelo just pray Lamelo falls and I think there's a pretty good chance he does make it to three assuming no trades happen um I think there's a pretty pretty good chance they're going to have a chance at Lamelo. I do think that there's a world though in which, uh, you know, my my inclination that that Ant goes one is not true, and Lamelo goes one, Ant goes two, uh, and then they're in an interesting position where I think most would probably assume that they take Wiseman. Uh, I don't think any of us would go in that direction. So Spencer, if Lamelo and Ant are both off the board at three, what are you thinking for for Charlotte? I mean, I would take Killian because he'd be the the guy at the top of my board. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they necessarily would. Uh, just you know, thinking about the type of players that 
they've taken in the past. And I think just, you know, the way the Mitch Kupchak thinks and the way Michael Jordan thinks, um, I know it, it's like you want someone who's going to compete. You want someone who's going to, you know, compete on both ends. Um, like, it wouldn't totally surprise me if Okoro actually went third. I was just I thinking think that. They could, yeah, like, you know, maybe they could trade down a little bit to get him. Um, but that wouldn't surprise me. But if that, you know, if Lamelo and Anko one and two, I would, I would take a Kongu or Hayes. I mean, I'd lean towards Hayes. If they didn't go with Hayes, it would be a Kongu. But Okoro wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I would probably just take Hayes because he's my top ranked player. Um, I do think for them, there's a strong case to be made that you just like go out and get another guy who you're pretty confident is going to be a good player. And, and like, but while not being your primary creator on offense. Um, so maybe that's a Kongwu, maybe it's a Koro. Uh, and just since they're kind of devoid of the main piece long-term, you focus on doing that next year. Uh, and you know, you're still probably not going to be very good. Uh, but I, I, I think, yeah, I like Hayes, I would like a fair amount there. Uh, I don't know like how uh, Devante and Terry Rozier factor into their long-term plans. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> yeah, I mean, Devante is, is pretty solid. I mean, but yeah, but he's probably more of a bench guard, I think. Yeah. Uh, although I do think he like, I, he compliments Killian pretty well. I do think. Yeah. Well. He makes sense with Killian as, you know, just nucle- someone who could be a nuclear off ball shooter, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think a Kong would make sense to me. Um, like it, it would be a bit of a reach for me, but I kind of get it in, you know, it, it fills their one biggest hole, you know, or, I mean, besides, you know, the hole of not lacking a primary, like, you know, rot, uh, you know, getting a, a guy, a, a center long-term, I do worry about a little bit about, like, I would worry about the size of a PJ Washington, Onyeka, Kongwu front court, um, against like the bigger bigs, but that's, again, that's, that's not as huge of an issue, uh, nowadays anyways. Yeah, I, I think Okongwu, uh, have, I have pretty strong confidence that he's going to be a good NBA player. And, and, and you know, in the first year, he's not going to, you know, move the needle enough to where it takes you out of, like, Cade contention next year, potentially. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where I'd go. Um, and I think I, like, but they'd go Wiseman before they went to Kongwu. Yeah, I really like the idea of, of Okoro playing with PJ because, I, like, PJ is a pretty good shooter. Um, and so if PJ is spacing, you can use Okoro as a role man. Which I think is a, be fun. a role that he's suited to really well, just because of his ability to pass on the move and his really incredible finishing. Um, so I, I like that idea. Nice too. Just yeah. like the physicality yeah. between those two would be fun, also. Yeah, I mean they're probably not your starting four and five, but they can definitely play to three, small three, units. Four. Yeah, and yeah, and just you you probably would need you know if if a Coro starting for you at the three. Uh, you would probably need a, a shooting five as well to go with that, but but that's a that is the, the foundations of a really interesting front court um, for sure. They're they're in a weird spot. I I definitely worry about them taking Wiseman. Um, I mean, I, I there's think- worse. I mean, if there is a spot for Wiseman to go and be successful, I think Charlotte isn't a bad shout. But again, this well, is Terry early. Rozier is, is the one uh, player in the NBA who can throw lobs outside of Wiseman's uh, catch radius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i mean again don't know how he factors into their plans long term but i uh, just not think about it. i mean he has to throw the lob in the first place to you know <laughs> he has to decide to pass yeah um yeah 
So why don't we talk about um, the Chicago Bulls, who finally are not picking seventh overall. Um, jumped into the top four. Um, assuming, you know, the big three of LaMelo, Ant, and Wiseman are off the board. Spencer, uh, who, who are you going for, uh, going with for Chicago at four? Again, <laughs> I would just take Killian because he's at the top of my uh, of my board then. But like, if, if they think that Kobe is their point guard-ish of the future, and if they're just not going to take Killian, which I mean, <laughs> Max is definitely not a fan of, I can see. And like, I I would under no circumstance pass on Killian to stay with Kobe. Um, but if if that's what they decide to do, I think Denny would be another awesome fit there, just because like. You, the lineup iterations that they could have between him and Otto and then Wendell at the five. Um, they could try some, probably something that would be incredibly poor defensive unit with, um, you know, Kobe, Zach, um, Otto, Denny, and then Larry at the five. Um, but just, you know, the idea of of Denny as the combo four next to another combo four, and then Wendell, who I still love, um, I think it's really intriguing if they don't go with Killian. I think yeah. that makes sense. Oh, yeah. well, I, I'm from this point on in the lottery. I mean, for me at least, and I think uh, the same is is true for Spencer and, and probably Ben. I would just say Killian for every team. Yeah, uh, I until mean, he's on the board with like maybe like maybe an exception, but no, probably yeah. Yeah, and I mean, frankly, like I mean, I I would be okay with any team taking Killian really at any spot. Uh, I love him. I think he's amazing. Uh, but Chicago, I think is the is the first spot where like. I really like very much would take him from an asset management standpoint as well. I think he fits really well there. I think that having someone like Levine, who's an, a really good off the dribble creator, but not someone who you want playing with the ball in his hands that much uh, is, is a, like the release valve you kind of want next to Killian, but Killian will be the one with making the decisions most of the time, which would be far preferable. But I do think that like, I, I am lower on Denny, um, but someone like Denny or Okoro, I think is, is interesting there because especially with the, like state of their roster and the fact that they don't have a coach right now, like you could design a, a, an offense that's fairly egalitarian that you, you play through Wendell a lot. Um, you make use of someone like Denny or a Coro even uh, with their really, really strong cutting ability. And I think that then if you don't end up going with, with like a true point guard, like Killian, you would take the ball out of the hands of decision makers like Levine and Kobe white Um while getting the most out of out of the the talents of, of the person you draft, so I think that that's that's something to consider. But but I think whoever they hire as coach and what whatever he plans to do uh, should factor in a lot as well. Yeah, I think that's really the key there is what you mentioned about getting the ball out of the hands of Levine and Kobe White. Just getting another decision maker, uh, another good decision maker on the floor, is the number one thing that I'd be looking for uh, for Chicago here at four. Denny, uh, like like Max, I'm a little lower on Denny, but Denny does fit that build as is a coral. I wonder if this could be a spot, um, though I, I certainly wouldn't do it. I wonder if this could be a spot where Tyrese Halliburton goes because um, because he fits that bill. You know, he's a guy who certainly can make some decisions, you know, make, make, he'll make very good decisions as, you know, that third guard type. And if they, you know, if they believe in, you know, if you believe in, you know, Kobe uh, and Levine as your, like one, as your one, two guards, then adding Halliburton as, you know, a third guard makes a lot of sense. But, you know, the issue comes, the issue that comes in, you know, the viability of believing in Kobe White and Zach Levine as your, you know, long-term guard pairing. Um, but I, 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 I could see Halliburton being, you know, this, this is probably the highest he could get. He'd go, but I could see him going for pretty plausibly 
you know, with this Bulls team. Yeah, I thought that made more sense when they were because they came into they came into this at seven. Yeah, yeah, they did. That would make more sense at seven, but I. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely wouldn't do it at seven either, but I do think it's a spot where he where he makes some sense, and I, we could see it happen. Um, I'm I'm gonna ask like a kind of leading question, uh, Spencer. Like, is there anything they could do at this spot that you think would be pretty disastrous? The Bulls, yeah. Um, Obi Toppin. Yeah, that's exactly what I was <laughs> you'd say. Yeah, I I think that would be pretty awful, uh, and could also kind of see it happening. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? At least, at least he'd know where he's going. <laughs> God. You know, ben, did you hear Dayton and Daytona Beach? Yeah. 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 It, for for, <laughs> for for those who are uh, not uh, informed on this story, Obi Toppin only took a visit at Dayton because he thought it was in Daytona Beach, uh, and he was stunned to find out that it was not. Wow. <laughs> but, I don't yeah, think I, I, Chicago's. Yeah, I think Obi there would be really bad. Uh, would it's not just, like that at all. Obi really needs like, like a strong infrastructure, especially defensively, to you know make it work. And Chicago doesn't exactly have that. Um, Do you not like Zach Levine and Kobe White as the people creating opportunities for Obi Toppin? God, I, I, but, sure, I, but surely they'll be able. I love to them even him. more. I love them even more. Exactly. I love them even more as insulators for him defensively. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, like all seriousness, like those are the those are the things you need. I mean. Uh, with Obi Toppin to thrive, um, at least in the short term, you know whether or not he has long term off dribble upside is a different discussion. But in the short term, you you need guys who can get him, you know, get him get him opportunities in the short roll, get him shots at the rim, um, and then guys who can cover for him on defense. And the Bulls have absolutely zero of those. Besides maybe Wendell Carter um, on the defensive end, but who has his own issues. But yeah, it, it will be a difficult, really difficult spot for him. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Should we move on to another spot that seems to be the consensus floor for Obi that would be yet another disaster? Cleveland, uh, yeah. Obi and Drummond. Yikes. Yeah, so people seem to think that this is like the floor for Obi, which seems plausible to me, I guess. Um, 
But you talk about guards who cannot insulate him defensively and are like probably even worse uh, bets to create for him and get him involved in that sense. Uh, yeah, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are not reliable um, as as offensive drivers. Um, Spencer, what direction would you go with this pick? Uh, I mean, at this point, it's kind of hard to predict who would be available, but realistically, like who, who are some guys that you think make sense? Um. I mean, Okoro, I think Okoro would be awesome there. I think just his mentality is exactly what, you know, people thought Colin Sexton's was. Um, it just wasn't. You know, he's hyper competitive. He's awesome, awesome defender. You know, um, I, I still like Garland a lot. He's not someone who you can run an offense entirely through. And I think providing another outlet, someone who can run some side action would really actually help him there a little bit. Um, Okoro can obviously do that. Um Denny, I mean, you know, I think Denny's a pretty good fit anywhere. Um, and then I think if they want to take a big, just because Drummond's got that player option, which he's going to pick up, and he's going to be a free agent, Okongwu. Um, I just, you know, trying to focus on guys who are really going to impact the game without the ball in their hands. Um, smart players, and, you know, those three guys I think fit needs, and then they also will help them win in the short term, although. They're probably not winning much in the short term, but more importantly in the long term. Yeah, I think Okoro is the, the guy for me that's like the most obvious fit. I mean, he fills their two. I mean, the Cavs have have no have no real wing defenders, and they don't have any real playmakers. And and Okoro, you know, adds value in in both of those spots. Um, while you know, with his cutting and you know maybe closeout attacking can add some value off of Garland and Sexton and Kevin Porter Jr. Um, it's a it be. I mean, I it's a tough spot. Um, I think I'm not sure if I take Killian Hayes over a Coro here. Um, I'd probably choose a Coro over Hayes, um, though I would understand a case for Hayes as well. The Cavs have built themselves into a really difficult spot with their decisions in the free agency and trade market and the draft over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's to be determined how committed they're going to be to Garland and Sexton in the long term. But you'd think they'd be pretty committed given the draft capital they've invested into the two. Um, which makes team construction really, really difficult. Um, having two small guards who are nor plus defenders or plus passers, um, that that's kind of a recipe for a disaster. And and neither really seem to be you know capable of primary offensive engine uh, responsibility. Um, so I, I guess getting a guy who can you know play off of them, pass the ball a little bit, um, that's a core for me. Um, I, it, 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 it's like a really difficult and weird spot though. Uh, I'm not sure where they're going to go. I don't really have any clue, honestly. I mean, okay, it's another spot where, I mean, even more so than Charlotte, where you could really use a Coro as like offensively pretty much as a big man, because you could play him alongside Kevin Love. And that's, I, I think Kevin Love nowadays can probably like sort of hang at the five. And then the, the fact that you would have then a Coro, uh, with his defensive ability as a help defender to cover for that um, and sort of, you know, fill, fill the role of uh, of a center in some ways defensively with his team defense um, and then, you know, allow him to, to work as a role man with, with like, hopefully a lot of space, honestly, with with um, someone as good of a shooter as Love out there. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, they need they need wing forward players. I mean, they, they, they really need any building blocks, which is why, I think that, yeah, they're another team where you can just say, just take Killian. Like, I, I think Garland makes some sense with him. Um, uh, I don't know about Sexton. Um, 
I mean, Sexton's but, more of a six man anyway, long term. So yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but I yeah, I think it's a situation where like yeah, it's a little high for me for Denny, but I get it. I think it would make some sense. Uh, I would get Vassell there. Um, I think there are, there are a lot of ways that they can go that are fine. I don't think that there are any home run things that really stand out to me. But I think the best option is probably a Coro. There are plenty of ways they can make a mistake though. Like <laughs> if they take Obi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like another point guard. Think, yeah, people seem to think that it's Obi. Um, yeah, and that would, make sense. I mean, it would be really bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, it would not be I, good. He's a local kid, though, as well. Like, yeah, ah, all right, man, that, that would not be great. So um, let's move on to uh, a really interesting one to me. Atlanta tumbled all the way down to six. Um, which is, you know, a team that, you know, m- you know, could have, could have, you know, moved up into the top two, um, you know, slid all the way down to six, took them out of Ant, uh, Lamella range, um, which is, which now makes them really, really interesting. So Spencer, uh, where would you go, uh, for Atlanta at six? I've got, uh, Denny, <laughs> I'm a broken record with him. Um, just the idea of the two through four being him, um, Cam and I mean, Hunter, I guess. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. R- ringing endorsement of DeAndre Hunter right there. Hunter, I, I was guess. high on him last year. Um, really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, I, I think that. seventh. Something oh wow! Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you know that would fit. Uh, Hayes, I actually like the fit there too. Um, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Akoro, I think Akoro would be, you know, another wingy that you know wingy type that they've been looking for. Um, same with Vassell, but like the one guy who I agree fits in terms of, I guess, you know, the idea of him, Halliburton, um, I, I wouldn't do it though, just because like the idea defensively, you know, in the regular season, you can get away with having, you know, one or two guys who can be targeted on defense because chances are night and night out offenses aren't scheming specifically to exploit defenses. But I guess I'm thinking, you know, a couple years down the line when if they progress properly, they could be a potential playoff team. You're going to have two guys who are going to be easily exploitable on defense. And if you want someone on offense who can play next to Trey, ideally you're having somebody who can create for himself off the bounce too. Yeah. And Halliburton's, like, complete aversion to the paint and contact and, like, inability to pull up off the bounce, and I don't think that's going to come. It just it scares me a lot. This is a fun one for me to think about offensively. There's a lot of ways prospects could add, you know, offensive value. You know, theoretically, like you said, Halliburton, just another decision maker, spot up shooter, uh, which is which are things Atlanta needs. Um, Bissell, um, you know, potentially developing into you know a, a tenable pull up creator, should be able to hit spot ups. Akoro, someone who maybe even could be like a you know a lob partner with John Collins, um, and then someone who could be a role man himself with Trey. Um, defensively, it's, it's just as not fun to think about, you know, they, they desperately need team defense. And I think that's why I think I'd go Vassell at this point, given the realistic options on the board, um, either that, or I'd press the just take Killian button, but I think just given the need for team defense on the wing, especially I just go Vassell, uh, but there's like a lot of directions they could go and, you know, have have it be pretty solid, I think, at this point. And the, I mean, there's also a couple they could go in and have it not be very good. But yeah, for me, it would be between m- mostly a Coro Vassell, 
and also Killian. But I think realistically, it's probably between Okoro, Vassell, and Denny. Um, I think all make sense. Um, I like Vassell best there, just because if, if you're thinking that this player is going to spend most of his time spotting up, and then, yeah, on occasion, like if he needs to create a little bit for himself, he can. I think Vassell is best suited to that for sure of those guys. And then I don't think – well, I mean, Okoro is, is a great point of attack defender, but um, I do think you want more – you want to slant more team defense with this, especially especially if you do consider Hunter to be part of, of your long-term core because then he's kind of the guy who's going to be taking the tough perimeter assignments, and then you absolutely need to cover behind – him and and trey uh so i think vassell makes the most sense overall like i i just think that if you're i I understand the logic of the halliburton thing but if you're thinking i want a team defense presence um who is not as vulnerable uh on the ball like that there are better options like you can go with a coro then because he you know he can he can be the ball moving guy you if you want um if you want someone who's a more reliable shooter and can maybe self-create a little bit more off the dribble, then you can you can get a team defense presence in Vassell and he can have those things. So I think that no matter like what you would want out of a Halliburton pick, I think that there are other guys that make sense. Or even, I mean, Denny, like similarly along those lines, like he, I think, very much fits into that linking player mold, um, except I trust him a lot more to not be picked on as an individual defender. And I think he's definitely a higher impact team defender. So, like, I get the logic for Halliburton. I just think that if that's the thought process that you're adopting, there are several guys that make more sense. I think this is another potential confusing, disappointing, disastrous spot for Obi. Um, this doesn't make. I a mean, lot. they have Obi. John <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, they're yeah, the same age. I mean, it's it's really redundant. Um, Obi probably has like a more expansive offensive ceiling than John Collins will. Um, but again. Like, John Collins already has his defensive issues. I mean, despite ha- having improved this year, um, Obi Toppin would be rough with him there. Um, and then offensively, you know, just like just like talking about, like, marginal value, you know, Obi, you know, can't run as many short rolls and, and lobs with Trey because you already have John Collins do that. So, you know, if you're reducing Obi to, you know, a guy who's just going to spot up on the wing, then, you know, he becomes – or, like, just sit in the dunker spot, his, his value drops a lot offensively and then defensively you know that that defense is just totally untenable with you know atlanta's current infrastructure um yeah it's it's it's, it's not a fit i would like um like i said i don't, if cleveland is the floor he's not going to be there but um it would just be another mistake i think i don't know what you, you guys think about that spencer what percentile outcome uh do you think john collins is for obi toppin Um, that's a tough one. I I think I think Collins will be the much better defender um, mm. than Obi is, and it's not a ring endorsement, you know. But it's just <laughs> it's the way Obi moves. Um, he's it's not even like he's a four and a half. He's like he he has no position on defense. Yeah, he is nothing. Yeah, he his uh, position is is zone. Yeah, well, like. It's like his goal like, so, wasn't long as hell. Like, yeah, but I mean, like he's definitely got passing on John Collins. I think he's a much better passer for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I think he's you know a better roller also. Um, but like the shot, even I don't trust Obi's shot as much as I trusted John's coming out of college because 
the form was just so much better. And like Obi's form isn't bad by any means, but it like it looks smoother, I think, coming out of Collins' hand a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and I, I, I don't have an answer. With, with the shot, I think it's important to consider that like John Collins was was a better shooter in the NBA this year than Obi was in the A10, yeah. and they're the same age. Yeah, like and he didn't take true. many NBA range threes either. Like a lot yeah. of Obi's threes were, you know, within the foot and a half of the line. And sure, you know, he had that awesome step back against Kansas, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh, he can create off the bounce." Like, ah, no, he he can't really. Um, and then, like, if you're trying to play him in the post, um, you know, I'm going to steal uh, Max <laughs> his center of gravity being in his neck. Um, He's, he's not backing guys down. And obviously, you know, post-ups in the NBA are just kind of going, you know, they're going out a little bit unless if you're just really efficient. But my issue with him trying to post up pretty much anyone with any size is he's not going to move them. Yeah, like, imagine you know, Obi trying to post up Marcus Smart. That would Marcus would push him, like, out to three-point yeah. range. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And the inverse is true on defense. That, yeah. like, he, he like post-defense is – Post defense is so yeah. rarely a concern with bad defensive big men because like they're usually the kind of lumberers who can't move or like aren't very smart, but you know, they can just stand there and create leverage. But Obi can't because his center of gravity is so high. If you if you bump him in the chest and then like spin into a baby hook, like it's gonna be open. Like Doak Doak roasted him because I mean and Doak is yeah, Doak's a freak, but um but like I think every NBA center is just going to be able to drop a shoulder into Obi and have an open baby hook. And that doesn't even, you know, that's not even mentioning, you know, they have Clint Capella as well. Um, you know, that's just another... I forgot that's, about that's that. Just another, <laughs> that's just another big in Obi's way. Um, so, yeah. This, this, one, more, one more thing on Atlanta. This is more of a question for Spencer than Max. Um, but what would you say to uh, Poku here? <laughs> so I, d- I did Zach Hood's podcast this morning. Um, and I said... I would love it if Atlanta took Poku, like whether it's them taking him at six um, or trading down a little bit to get him. Because again, like the ultimate peak of Poku is best player in the draft. Like if he hits everything, maybe one B next to LaMelo. Um, I, I, I don't think Ant is anywhere near that potential or anyone else. Um, but the way I say it, if he hits a 75% outcome, if you have a Davis Bertans type, who maybe doesn't have the full mobility off ball. You know, he's not gunning eight threes all off movement at 44%, whatever it was. But if he's at six threes and if he's spacing the court um, at a league average from three or above league average from three, which I think will happen. But beyond that, if you had that ability to, when you are chased off the line, you're making plays for other guys. That's a really good player. And, you know, Max, I know you're not very high on him coming in immediately and playing, um, you know, role minutes or, you know, getting consistent minutes. I actually think he can play in year one, maybe not 25, 30 minutes a game, but him coming in and playing 15, 16 minutes a game, just being a spot up shooter, you know, that secondary, but well, probably more like tertiary creator, um, given his position and him still being new to the NBA, I could see that happening. And like just the idea of running a one four pick and roll, or I guess it'd be a four one pick and roll with Trey as the screener, like it's funny to think about. <laughs> It could it could work in some like weird way because of Poku's passing ability, his comfortability playing at the point of attack on offense. Like you know, Trey would obviously have to get better at screening, um, but it's cool to think about. It. The, the idea I think is really awesome. Yeah, I don't think that in the short term NBA coaches are going to be particularly pleased with Poku's defense on a possession by possession basis. Uh, 
I yeah, I just I don't think that he's especially on a team that's trying to win. I just I don't know if he's actually going to be able to hold down uh, a rotation spot. I like long term. I definitely see the appeal. Yeah, as as a guy who can run off screens and gun, uh, and like be that team defense presence, and yeah, and can attack a closeout and make plays off of that and can handle in transition. Like I I get all of that, but uh, I think especially for Atlanta, like I I think they're a team with playoff aspirations for next year. Um, So I I, yeah, like maybe maybe if they traded back uh, and got some other guy who can contribute in the short term as well. Uh, but I, I think six, six is like a little, is a little rich for me, especially for a team that's trying to not contend, but compete. I I brought this up to Zach actually. And if the Knicks, you know, not if the Knicks, if the Knicks had the eighth pick, if the Knicks go to Atlanta and say, Hey, we'll trade you the eight and 33 and like, you know, a conditional pick to move up to six if Killian's on the board, I think that's a potential win-win for both sides because the Knicks could get Killian who I know they like. Um, and then the Hawks at eight, they could pick, you know, a core if he's there, they could, it would be a reason to pick Halliburton if they like him. but Vassell would probably be there too. Um, like very rarely you'll have a trade. That's a true win-win. Although, I mean, Dallas, I think he, they definitely won that trade just because Luke was Luca. Um, but you know, I guess it's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I- and especially if if they need to jump the team that's yes. at seven, uh, Detroit, because yeah, that is you know another one of these just take Killian teams where you know I mean even more so than any of these other guys in this range, I think this is the one where you like you gotta take Killian because you know the Detroit we talked about last week as a team that really really wanted to get number one to to get Lamelo didn't come anywhere close of course in real life, um, and Killian is the next best thing there, um, so I think. Killian, like we said, like they have to leapfrog Detroit. Um, Killian seems like the very obvious guy to, you know, hopefully, you know, add some creation juice to that offense and just that young core that has really nothing. Um, I think Killian is like the best way, like for sure, like the the obvious way to go for Detroit. Yeah. He also is working with Will Bynum, and Bynum's got that connection with the Pistons. So if you want someone who's going to know, you know, just how good Killian is without any bias, because Bynum has no affiliation with um, Jan or Killian or you know anyone connected with those two. You have the inside scoop. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Detroit passes on him at seven, I big mistake. Yeah, that would be a certain. I, I mean, there's other guys that you know could be good there. You know, a Coral makes sense. Just adding another you know capable wing, Poku as an upside piece would would make sense. Um, even like uh, Maxi, I think though not the creator you want. Actually, I, I mean, I, I didn't mention this with the Hawks, but I think Max is good for, good for Atlanta. Um, could be good here. I mean, but probably not someone you want to take again. Like this, this, this seems like kind of like Killian or bust at this point. Um, which, you know, honestly, like, like for Detroit, um, if, if Detroit didn't get one, getting seven is pretty good is, you know, a pretty good outcome, probably, you know, further, further future, probably, even maybe even better than getting like three or four because they probably wouldn't go Killian that high, right? I mean, uh, but now they're slided slated right in his reign. So, I mean, this is what they need to do. Yeah, I think that I worry a little bit about Killian kind of being hung out to dry there with no other creation. Um, like, I guess it would if if Blake can you know return to any le- like high level of play that that would be very helpful, of course. Um, 
But say that say they don't go Killian. I mean, Spencer, what do you think are some other sensible options for them there? Spencer, I think you're, I think you're muted. Yeah. Better. Um, <laughs> yeah, Okoro. Um, I think he's a definite fit. I think Vassell. I think he's an easy plug and play there. Um, although, again, going back to the creation, you need to hope that Blake gets back to what he was and hope that Kennard takes another step. Um, I like Okongu there. Just, you know, they need a big. Um, I think this is pretty good value for him at seven. If, you know, we all kind of think he's going to be at least an impact player. Um, but I guess I would have the, I have concerns there because A, Blake, Blake probably won't be playing the four as much full time given all the concerns. And though he's still athletic, sure, he's not the, the, the Blake of old and Christian Wood. Um, he'll space the floor for Okongu, which is great, but I don't know if I really like him as a four on defense either. Like, I, I just don't really think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the move there is definitely Killian. Killian. Just like, Gotta be take, Killian. take Killian. He's the best player available. Um, you know, is is he going to be a, a huge scorer? No, but, uh, you know, he's he's a pretty, pretty brilliant creator and will be a very good defensive player. Um and I think that uh, that would be a wise move for them. All right. Um, we should, if any, if I think we're good to move on to uh, the Knicks, uh, Spencer's Knicks. Uh, so why don't we just start out, Spencer? Uh, who are you looking at at the eighth pick for the Knicks? Uh, Kyra, and I mean he's my guy. Like I tweeted before, uh, he's my clear-cut number three point guard on the board. He's in that six to eight range for me. Sorry, clear-cut number three point guard in the draft. He's six to eight on my board right now. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense both from what they need, which I don't think you should draft for, especially when you're in the Knicks position, but he's all like, he's super high on my board. So it's not even like you're reaching very far there, but also his fit in Tibbs' system, um, just the amount of pick and rolls he'd be running and how Tibbs, he's always had that point guard who can get into the paint. Um, whether it was, you know, Lucas or, you know, obviously Derek Rose or, you know, he went with Nate Robinson, although Nate, I guess, was probably a little bit more perimeter oriented at, at that time. Having that athletic downhill guy, um, I, I think Kyra would fit that. But then RJ, RJ's not really someone who's going to be breaking down guys off the dribble because he's stiff. And though he has strength, you know, you need someone who can get into the paint and actually collapse the defense, which like Kyra will be able to do that. There is no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, and you know just the easy opportunities he's bring he'd bring, but you know Acor would fit. Um, Acor is another guy who would fit Tibbs' you know mentality, defense, passing for the wing. Um, though I guess we really didn't have that much of that. It would provide an extra dimension. Um, but you know he had Butler. He helped progress Butler, so maybe he sees a little bit of Jimmy Butler and Isaac Acor, which sure. But expecting to be Jimmy Butler, it's a terrible idea. Um, because of that developmental curve, and then Vassell is an easy plug and play. And I know a lot of Nick fans like Vassell. Um, I just, like, I would take Kyra and just not think yeah. twice about it. I'm sympathetic to the idea of just getting a wing and, you know, hoping you can get your guy next year. Um, I'm not as big on, on Kyra as Spencer, as, as you are, Spencer. You know, I just have more worries about his long his long term viability on the ball. Um, but I mean, like that definitely makes sense. You know, he definitely can, you know, create, you know, generate rim pressure like nobody else on that Knicks team can at this point. 
Um, you know, RJ Barrett was thrust into a role way above his capacity for his creation capacity this year. And, you know, it was pretty disastrous though. I think, you know, he's still going to be a good player long-term, you know, in a, like a more off ball creation role. Um, yeah. If, if they, if they miss on both Lamelo and Killian, um, I think uh, I'd probably just get a wing like Vassell, Lacoro, even Denny, if he's available, uh, Poku even, um, someone like that. Uh, that doesn't really move the needle for wins this year, um, where the Knicks are almost certainly going to be bad enough to where they're going to be in Cade contention next year, um, going to be sitting at the top of next year's draft where they can really hopefully land that guy who's going to be their franchise cornerstone for, for years to come. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, drafting for fit is, is difficult for a team as talent is probably not the move for a team as talent devoid as the Knicks. Yeah, I think I, I'd consider a Coro or Vassell. I think there's a good chance that Coro's not on the board at this point. Um, yeah. So I'd probably end up taking Vassell or, or Poku here. I mean, Poku I'd love. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I, it would be a really cool swing, I think, also for a new front office. It would be very different from like, – it, it's even different from the, the KP draft. Um, I think Poku's way more skilled than KP was. Obviously, he played at the lesser league and lower league in Greek second. Um but I think I think it's a fit. I think if you're going to roll the dice, why not roll the dice in a draft that has, you know, not high-end talent, and you're going to roll it on the guy with the most high-end talent after signing um, two big player development coaches. Yeah, and it makes sense just getting a gunner for the Knicks, a team yep. with as poor spacing as they are. Um, yeah, the, the Kyra idea is interesting too. I like I like the idea of a guy who will get them running, especially with RJ, uh, because he's a good transition player. Um, I worry a little bit if he if he's the guy that you're really putting the ball in his hands in the half court. Um, I worry a little bit about that. I would probably want him next to someone else who's a little little like more Kate. reliable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, like Kate. Yeah, very much. Yeah, like that would Kate. be that would um, be awesome. Yeah, I, I like I, I don't hate the idea. I think it makes some sense. I think I'm most into the idea of them just landing a wing player. So if that's Okoro, Vassell, maybe even Patrick Williams, uh, just getting getting someone who's like pretty good at a position of value. Because um, at this point, like they're they're so lacking the guy that any of these complementary guards who kind of need to be next to you know, your major creator already, I think are kind of just going to be doomed to fail. Um, so like if they went Cole, I think that would be pretty bad. If they went Halliburton, I think that would be a disaster. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know if, if, if you have any insight on whether that could or could not happen. It certainly seems like the right range for him, but I think that would be really, really bad for him and for them. Um, like, I, I think that they're like, there's no way they would take Obi if he were there. We're like, would they? I think they. Yes. I think they might. I, I think they could. <laughs> I mean, if like you know, you know, if they believe that he's like a top four or five prospect and he slips to eight, I mean, I mean, yeah. plus like Dolan and you know the whole idea of he's, he's Obi's a name regardless yeah. of whether or not he's someone who you'd want even as a cornerstone yeah. or you know a stone whatever. Um, I could you know there's a theoretical fit with him on offense with mitch um if obi ups his three-point rate although again you have the issues on defense because then you're playing obi at the four and that's going to be atrocious um i wouldn't do it 
So Spencer, as as a Knicks fan who at this point I would assume hates the Knicks more than he loves them, um, what what is the like possibility that absolutely terrifies you? The the, the direction they could go with this pick. I can only give one because there are many. <laughs> you got I mean, list them all off, man. Yeah, I mean Halliburton would scare me because then you're doing one of two things: either making him an engine, which <laughs> terrible idea or you're making rj the engine which i think is an equally bad idea um i think obi's a terrible pick there um for you know just many reasons some of which we just said i think cole cole being you know the quote-unquote new york guy oh. spencer you cut out for a second if you wanted to repeat uh, whatever you just said yeah um sorry about that so yeah i mean obi um I, I don't think that's a good fit for what we just said um offensively sure maybe defensively absolutely not um Halliburton just no uh engine I, I don't know if you caught that part but yeah we, yeah. we caught the the Halliburton and RJ would be equally disastrous engines which is very correct all right then um I mean I guess the one that would scare me the most not because it, it it's destined to fail but just because everything that would come with it would be Cole and yeah I, I still think I think Cole is going to be fine um you know the finishing concerns there are some um I think part of that was because he had like zero spacing at UNC, but on the flip side, probably injured. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he was injured for a bit. He just like looked slower, looked less bursty than he did last year. Um, but beyond that, his his you know driving IQ, I guess if you want to call it, was beyond bad. Yeah, he um, didn't let their sets develop. No. Like it, like a lot a lot of the spacing issues. Well, they it was a terribly spaced team, but a lot of the spacing those. issues. Yeah, yeah, it's like if if you're driving like into a guy setting like a cross screen or whatever yeah you're not gonna have space to finish yeah but also like you know like nick fans want him because he's a new york guy um you know he went to school in the city or just outside whatever um obviously his dad it just it seems like everything is in place for if the knicks to pick him it would fail because you wouldn't be picking him for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I could see his rookie season going similarly to RJ, where he's, you know, thrown into a role that's yeah. that, that's way beyond his capacity for creation. He's horribly inefficient, and Knicks fans are disappointed as usual. Like, I, I mean, that... that <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> I mean, it's totally plausible to me, and I think it's likely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, the, the, I think the idea of them being into Cole for the wrong reasons is kind of scary and definitely, like, seems realistic. Seems but, e- e- like, yeah, even if you are into Cole for the right reasons, where you are just willing to discount a lot of what you saw at UNC and, and rely on the prior, which I, like, 50% agree with, which is why I still like Cole. But I think that there are very, very real issues with him that we've discussed in the past of how, how he used to create advantages and, and why he wasn't able to do that at UNC. Um, but even even if that's the case, like if you're wrong about that, he's going to be a disaster in New York. Yeah. Like if, if you if you think that and you draft him uh, as the Pelicans, like it will it could still very well work. Like that could still work out. But if you draft him as the Knicks thinking that the UNC sample was, was flawed and that he has real like primary initiator upside, if that's wrong, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. I think there's besides Detroit, there's probably no worse spot for him, you know, if he's going to use as a creator, I mean, he he needs a jumbo initiator next to him. Julius Randall. Oh God. (laughs) How many spin moves into the double teams do you have to, Oh my God. Just, 
terrible. Um, but like you know, like Dallas, New I don't Orleans, think they would pick them because Milwaukee, yeah, Austin, yeah. all those teams. I mean, yeah. Sorry, Max. <laughs> oh, why? Sorry, I would like Cole. R- really? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like him in Boston. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it later. I would like Cole in Boston for sure. Like, not not my top choice, but but I'd be I'd be content with it. All right, take I, that back then. So I think we're going to cut it for for part one of our lotto discussion. Um, we're going to talk about the rest of the lotto teams on part two, which we're going to record in a second, but it'll be Wednesday for all of the listeners. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much to Spencer uh, for coming on and, and giving us his wisdom. Uh, Spencer, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, no, I mean, you know, just follow me on Twitter um, and at SK Perlman. And all my stuff is on the Stepian. I'm constantly posting clips and breakdowns and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you for having me. I, I was serious in the beginning when I said, like, I love your guys' podcast. It's actually like an honor to be on here. It's cool. So thank you guys. It, it is an honor to have Spencer the Machine Perlman on the Prep to Pro NBA Draft podcast. Is some of the best um, in depth scouting reports um, on the internet uh, on the Stepian, like you said. So go check those out. Yeah. Uh, as, as always, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Follow Max at Max A Carlin. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And unless there's anything else y'all want to say, uh, we're going to cut it.